God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. Julian of Norwich, or sometimes uh, referred to as St. Juliana of Norwich. St. Julian was an anchorite. This was a type of monasticism common in England during her time. Anchorites are people who lived a life of seclusion in a cell attached to a church, similar to a hermit, except that anchorites vow to stay tied or anchored to a particular place. She was born in 1343 and lived in a cell in St. Julian's Church in Norwich, England. It is unclear whether or not she herself was actually also named Julian. She experienced revelations from God, which she recorded in a series of writings now known as the Revelations of Divine Love. These writings are probably the oldest writings in the English language that we know for sure are written by a woman. Let us read an account of her life from the website of the Friends of St. Julian of Norwich, a society dedicated to celebrating and promoting her legacy. Julian of Norwich, 1342-1416, is known to us almost only through her book, The Revelations of Divine Love, which is widely acknowledged as one of the great classics of the spiritual life. She is thought to have been the first woman to write a book in English which has survived. We do not know Julian's actual name, but her name is taken from St. Julian's Church in Norwich, where she served as an anchoress for most of her life. We know from the medieval literary work, the Book of Marjorie Kemp, that Julian was known as a spiritual counsellor. People would come to her cell in Norwich to seek advice. Considering that, at the time, the citizens of Norwich suffered from plague and poverty, as well as a famine. She must have counselled a lot of people in pain. Yet her writings are suffused with hope and trust in God's goodness. Julian's Revelations of Divine Love is based on a series of 16 visions she received on the 8th of May, 1373. Julian was lying on what was thought at the time to be her deathbed, when suddenly she saw Christ bleeding in front of her. She received insight into his sufferings and his love for us. The revelations of divine love comes to us in two versions. The first, the short text, 
written shortly after the revelation given to Julian. The second, the long text, written 20 years later. The long text is greatly expanded to include her meditations on what she had been shown. Today, only 17th century copies of earlier manuscripts of the long text and fragments from the 15th century survive. Julian recounts that she was 30 and a half years old when she received her visions and this is how we know that she was born in 1342. A scribe editor to one of the surviving manuscripts speaks of her as a devout woman who is a recluse at Norwich and still alive in AD 1413. There is further evidence to be found in a contemporary will that she was alive in 1416 and that she had a maid who lived in a room next to the cell. Apart from that, we know nothing else about Julian's life. However, reading Revelations of Divine Love reveals an intelligent, sensitive, and very down-to-earth woman who maintains her trust in God's goodness, whilst addressing doubt, fear, and deep theological questions. Interest in Julian's writing has grown over recent decades. This has been as more and more people have discovered the significance of her book. Her lyrical language and positive image of God speak to the modern reader. Her work is well respected by theologians, historians, and literary scholars, and there are now dozens of translations of her revelations, together with countless commentaries. Modern poets and writers, as diverse as T.S. Eliot, Denise Levitov, and Iris Murdoch, reference Julian in their writing. Julian's shrine of Rowan Road in Norwich is visited by pilgrims from all over the world. Julian lived an unusual life. At St. Julian's Church, she was an anchorite, never leaving her rooms adjoining the church, and she was so famous in her own time that people left money to sustain her and her servants. She was an ecclesiastical star. If you are interested in the history of women in the church, the history of writing by women, great stories of an exceptional life in medieval history, in England, in Norwich, or simply curious about one of the original influencers whose influence has lasted 600 years, Julian of Norwich is for you. Let us now read from some passages of her Revelations of Divine Love. They speak of a deep connection with God, and particularly of God's compassion and care for us. One of the most famous passages that St. Julian wrote was the one that we will read next. The line, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, captures the optimism that radiates forth from her theology. For this, 
and all other passages from the Revelations of Divine Love that I will read in this podcast, I will be using a translation to modern English by Grace Warak. After this, the Lord brought to my mind the longing that I had to Him afore, and I saw that nothing letteth me but sin. And so I look generally upon us all, and thought, if sin had not been, and we should all have been clean and like to our Lord as He made us, and thus in my folly, afore this time, often I wondered why, by the great foreseeing wisdom of God, the beginning of sin was not lettered. For then, methought, all should have been well. The stirring of mine was much to be forsaken. But nevertheless, mourning and sorrow I made therefore, without reason and discretion. But Jesus, who in this vision informed me of all that is needful to me, answered by this word and said, It behooved that they should be sin, but all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. In this naked word, sin, our Lord brought to my mind, generally, all that is not good, and the shameful despite, and the utter nothing that he bare for us in this life, and his dying, and all the pains and passions of all his creatures, ghostly and bodily, for we be all partly noted, and we shall be noted following our Master Jesus, till we be full purged, that is to say, till we be fully noted of our deadly flesh and all our inward affections which are not very good. And beholding of this, with all pains that ever were or ever shall be, and with all these I understand the passion of Christ for most pain and overpassing. All this was showed in a touch and quickly passed over into comfort, for our good Lord would not that the soul were afeard of this terrible sight. But I saw not sin, for I believe it hath no manner of substance, nor no part of being, nor could it be known but by the pain it is cause of. And thus pain it is something, as to my sight for a time. For it purgeth, and maketh us to know ourselves, and to ask for mercy. For the passion of our Lord is comfort to us against all this, and so is his blessed will. And for the tender love that our good Lord hath to all that shall be saved, he comforteth readily and sweetly, signifying thus, It is soothed that sin is cause of all this pain, but all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. These words were said full tenderly, showing no manner of blame to me, nor to any that shall be saved. Then were it a great unkindness to blame or wonder on God for my sin, 
since he blameth not me for sin. And in these words I saw a marvellous high mystery, hid in God, which mystery he shall openly make known to us in heaven, in which knowing we shall verily see the cause why he suffered sin to come, in which sight we shall endlessly joy in our Lord God. Let us read from another passage from St. Julian's Revelation of Divine Love. One important theme of St. Julian's writing is in comparing the love of Christ with the love of a mother. Let us share one such passage. The mother may suffer the child to fall sometimes, and to be hurt in diverse manners for its own profit, but she may never suffer that any manner of peril come to the child for love. And though our earthly mother may suffer her child to perish, our heavenly mother, Jesus, may not suffer us that are his children to perish. For he is almighty, all wisdom, and all love, and so is none but he. Blessed may he be. But sometimes, when our failing and our wretchedness is showed us, we are sore adread, and so greatly ashamed of ourselves that scarcely we find where we may hold us. But then, we left not our courteous mother that we flee away, for him were nothing loather. But he willeth then that we use the condition of a child. For when it is hurt or adread, it runneth hastily to the mother for help with all its might. So willeth he that we do as a meek child, saying thus, My kind mother, my gracious mother, my dear worthy mother, have mercy on me. I have made myself foul and unlike to thee, and I nor may nor can amend it but with thine help and grace. And if we feel us not then ease forthwith, be we sure that he useth the condition of a wise mother. For if he see that it be more profit to us to mourn and to weep, he suffereth it with roof and pity unto the best time for love. And he willeth then that we use the property of a child, that evermore of nature trusteth to the love of the mother in weal and in woe. And he willeth that we take us mightily to the faith of the Holy Church, and find there our dear worthy mother in solace of true understanding with all the blessed common. For one single person may oftentimes be broken, as it seemeth to himself, but the whole body of Holy Church was never broken, nor never shall be without end. And therefore a sure thing it is, a good and gracious, to will meekly and mightily to be fastened and won to our Mother, Holy Church, that is Christ Jesus, 
for the food of mercy that is his dear worthy blood and precious water is plenteous to make us fair and clean. The blessed wounds of our Saviour be open and enjoy to heal us. The sweet gracious hands of our Mother be ready and diligently about us. For he in all this working useth the office of a kind nurse that has naught else to do but to give heed about the salvation of her child. It is his office to save us. It is his worship to do for us. And it is his will that we know it. For he willeth that we love him sweetly and trust in him meekly and mightily. And this showed he in these gracious words, I keep thee full surely. The popularity of St. Julian of Norwich has continued into modern times. It is not hard to see why, given the optimism of her theology and her emphasis on the love of God in a time that can seem so loveless. Her life and writings seem especially relevant during the COVID pandemic, as she too lived in isolation during a plague. The Black Death swept through England in her time. We will read a reflection by the author Veronica Mary Rolfe, adapted from her book, An Explorer's Guide to Julian of Norwich. This reflection is found on the website of the Centre for Action and Contemplation. Perhaps the best answer to the question, why Julian now, is that in our age of uncertainty, inconceivable suffering, and seemingly perpetual violence and war, not unlike 14th century Europe, Julian shows us the way toward contemplative peace. In a world of deadly diseases and ecological disasters, Julian teaches us how to endure pain in patience and trust that Christ is working to transform every cross into resurrected glory. Moreover, across six centuries, Julian's voice speaks to us about love. She communicates personally, as if she were very much with us here and now. Even more than theological explanations, we all hunger for love. Our hearts yearn for someone we can trust absolutely, divine love that can never fail. Julian reveals this love because, like Mary Magdalene, she experiences it firsthand. Precisely because she had the courage of her convictions, Julian of Norwich became the first woman ever to write a book in the English language. Even more, this unlettered woman developed a mystical theology that was second to none during the 14th century and continues to break barriers in our own time. Julian is also emotionally raw, often tempted by self-doubt and discouragement, yet constantly renewed in hope. She does something extremely dangerous for a lay person living in the 14th century. She discloses her conflict 
between the predominant medieval idea of a judgmental and wrathful God and her direct experience of the unconditional love of Christ on the cross. Why is Julian so appealing today? I think because she is totally vulnerable and transparently honest without any guile. She is homely in medieval terms that means down-to-earth, familiar, and easily accessible. She is keenly aware of her spiritual brokenness and longs to be healed. So do we. She experiences great suffering of body, mind, and soul. So do we. She has moments of doubt. So do we. She seeks answers to age-old questions. So do we. Then, at a critical turning point in her revelations, she is overwhelmed by joy and grand mercy that is great thanks for the graces she is receiving. We too are suddenly granted graces and filled to overflowing with gratitude. Sometimes we even experience our own divine revelations. Again and again, Julian reassures each one of us that we are loved by God unconditionally. In her writings, we hear Christ telling us, just as he told Julian, I love you and you love me, and our love shall never be separated in two. St. Julian of Norwich is celebrated as a saint in the Anglican Church with feast day on May the 8th. She is not a saint in the Roman Catholic Church, even though she lived before the English Church separated from Rome. So there is a possibility that she could be made a Roman Catholic saint in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast, and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end with a short passage from St. Julian's Revelation of Divine Love, a wonderful reflection on a hazelnut. In this same time, our Lord showed me a spiritual sight of His homely loving. I saw that He is to us everything that is good and comfortable for us. He is our clothing that for love wrappeth us, claspeth us, and all encloseth us for tender love, that He may never leave us, being to us all thing that is good, as to mine understanding. Also in this He showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut in the palm of my hand and it was as round as a ball. I looked thereupon with eye of my understanding, and thought, What may this be? And it was answered generally thus, 
It is all that is made. I marveled how it might last, for me thought it might suddenly have fallen to naught for littleness. And I was answered in my understanding. It lasteth, and ever shall last, for that God loveth it. All things have being by the love of God. In this little thing, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loveth it. The third, that God keepeth it. Thank you.